Hi, I'm Brett Robinson. Welcome to the Redeeming Hope Podcast, where we share biblical truths that'll give you real hope. What is real hope? It's a hope that is relevant, energizing, authentic, and linked to Jesus. Good morning. Um, It's a wonderful privilege to be able to share the word with you this morning. I pray that we will be blessed by what God's laid upon my heart. Let's just open up in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your amazing word. Thank you, Lord, that what you've laid upon my heart, Father, I pray that will go rest in everybody that's listening and that you will make the difference. So we give you thanks that you are a wonderful God and a good, good Father. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. My title this morning of the word that I have is Finding Joy in an All-Knowing God. You may wonder, well, how do I know, how how did I get to that? It was actually through a a verse that I was um, reading in the Bible, John 21, verse 1 to 15. It said, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. It goes on, it says, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We're going too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing at all. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciples, the disciple that Jesus loved, said to, to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish that you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and fish. To me, it was one of the most amazing pictures. Yeah, the Son of God, on the side, Galilee shore, making breakfast, serving the disciples. And I've been on that Galilee shore one evening leading worship with my feet in the water and holding a guitar. I think it was one of the most highlights of my entire life as a worship leader. Just standing there singing to a group of people and us worshipping with only the moonlight. But I reflect back to this picture. You know, we can really look at it. It's, it's, he has, again, the Son of God making a bride just on the side. And telling his disciples, come and eat. You see, when Jesus showed up by the shores of Galilee, 
The disciples had been fishing all night, but catching nothing. And their leader, Peter, had gone back to what was comfortable. But at the end of a night of returning to the old ways, guess what? All they had was a night of nothing. Have you been, have you ever been there? I'm sure many of us can say, Andrew, I know that. Been working or doing something and doing it my way and catching a fish or catching a night of nothing and not getting what I'm really trusting for. See, our culture constantly tells us what we need to do to feel better. Seek happiness in the wrong places, walk the harmful paths. Many of us have gone down the road only to find out it's still not fulfilling in the end. But Jesus called out to them, do you have any fish? That phrase is hypothetical question anyway. A modern equivalent might be, uh, so how's that working out for you? <laughs> I'm sure you've had that said by somebody when they see you struggling and going through real jumping through hoops and hurdles and this person or friend or family member says, so tell me, how's that working out for you? I can see God smiling at my situation many a times and wondering when I will call out for help and give up doing it my way and surrendering to his pan and guidance. We remain doing things in the same old way all the time. Even when the previous time it failed and we learned nothing from the bad experience. Often we are surprised at the way it fails and try to convince ourselves that we did it right and know what we are doing. We never own up that we actually failed. Jesus already knew that they hadn't caught any fish, that returning to their old ways was fruitless. So he offered a solution. Jesus called out, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Maybe you've been fishing for a long time and have a whole night of nothing. See, Jesus stands before you and his message is, I know where the fish are, meaning I know exactly what you're looking for. I know exactly where you can get it. We are often even surprised at what God knows and how he knows what to do at the right time. How many of us can testify to the time when we said, wow, God came through just in time? I can see his smile and gentle grin at there he goes again. All that famous saying or sentence we use, wow, Lord, really? Was that you? And how did you know what I needed and when? Jesus says, if you're looking for friendship, I know where it is. If you're looking for acceptance, I know where it is. If you're looking for meaning of life, I know that too. If you're looking for healing, I know where that is. Jesus says, if you're looking for significance, I know where that is. If you're looking for security, I know where that is. If you're looking for satisfaction, I know where that is. So God is not asking for any information from you. He already knows how it's working out for you.
what he's waiting for. So he's giving you the opportunity to form the words in your heart and mind that affirm the reality of what's happening. Once we affirm that reality, then God is able to restore us. We have to own it. We have to affirm the reality that we are in. Then God will restore us. See, that's the core of the gospel, isn't it? It's Jesus saying to Peter and to us, you're not dependable, but I am. You're not going to come through this on your own strength, but I am. You're going to fail me, but I'm not going to fail you. And those three things, that, that's, that's hard to hear. We struggle to hear that. We say, but I can do this, Lord. Uh, I can make this happen. I, I, I can get through through this. Instead of having confidence in ourselves, but in Christ that's in us. Then we will succeed. The Bible teaches that God is all-knowing and omniscient. And that is amazing. In other words, He's all-knowing. When we say that God is omniscient, it means that He's perfect knowledge of all things. He does not have to learn anything. And He's not forgotten anything. He knows everything that has happened and everything that will happen. He also knows every potential thing that might happen. See, this knowledge is absolute and unacquired. The omniscience of God means that he is perfect knowledge, perfect understanding, and perfect wisdom as to how to apply the knowledge. He is the God of knowledge. Psalm 139 reminds us, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out of my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high that I cannot attain it. He has infinite knowledge. Psalm 147 says, Great is our Lord, and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Again, another translation. Great is our Lord, and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. His eyes see all things, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, and he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Second Chronicles 16.9 Jeremiah the prophet says in 16, uh, chapter 16 verse 17, says, For my eyes are on all their ways, they are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. See, we as a believer should be secure in the knowledge, as in 1 John verse 3 says, Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. See, living in the knowledge that God is present in times of trouble, present in times of need, 
and present in times of joy. But you see, we prefer to live in this following quotation by C.S. Lewis. Don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. I quote this again. C.S. Lewis writes, Don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. We must find it in ourselves to live in His joy and live in the happiness we can experience when we totally surrender to our Heavenly Father and trust Him in all the areas of our lives and rest in these few verses that the Psalms remind us. Psalm 73 says, As for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Psalm 16 verse 8 says, I have set the Lord continually before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you may feel like that brokenhearted, um, lonely, torn apart, He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. My word to you is invest in the Jesus that lives in you and the eternal life that he's promised you as well. But also, we need to make each day count in our lives. We need to get up and say, this is the day the Lord hath made and I will choose to rejoice and be glad in it. The world is crying out for us to go out there and be the salt that will change the flavor and he's given that to us. There's a young lady called Jane Mazursky. It was an amazingly brave young lady. I'll tell you a story now about her. A 30-year-old songwriter, singer, was diagnosed with cancer in 2017, which was treated and pronounced medically cleared. By early January 2020, however, she was told that her cancer had returned and spread to her liver, lungs and spine. At the time of her audition on America's Got Talent, and her stage name was called Nightbird, she received a golden buzzer. That's when the judge presses the buzzer and takes her through past a lot of other hoops and auditions to the live sounds, to the live versions. And she was telling the audiences that some cancer was in her lungs, spine, and my liver. But then she added, I have 2% chance of survival. But 2% is not 0%. 2% is something. And I wish people knew how amazing it is. She still found hope in the 2% that God gave her. We don't understand these things often, young people, illnesses, We've got no idea why, but we, we can't question that because God's greater than that. There's always a purpose in this, but this young girl has changed. Her story went viral, but she says the 2% is something. I went to research about her and found out how her blogs and how much she really trusts God and believes in God. 
And in her blog, she says, I remind myself that I'm praying to the God who let the Israelites stay lost for decades. They begged to arrive in the promised land, but instead he let them wonder, answering prayers they didn't pray. For 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. And I realized, I don't think they probably sat down and said, well, guys, this morning our prayer list is going to be that God will keep our shoes going. He just provided that. The fire lit their path each night. They must have wondered, how are we going to walk through the desert alone at night? Every morning, he sent the mercy bread from heaven. He fed them. And then she writes, I look hard for the answers to the prayers that I didn't pray. In another post, she wrote, When it comes to pain, God isn't often in the business of taking it away. Instead, he adds to it. Wow. He is more of a giver than a taker. He doesn't take away my darkness. He adds light. He doesn't spare me of thirst. He brings water. He doesn't cure my loneliness. He comes near. So why do we believe that when we are in pain, it must mean God is far? Isn't that amazing what she writes? Going through all of this illness and trauma, she sees that God is a giver. God gives light in her darkness. God gives her, when she's thirsty, spiritually or emotionally or physically, He gives her water, living water. When she's lonely, He draws near. Then she asks, so why when we're in pain? Why is it when things are going wrong in our life, we choose to think that God's away. One of the pastors commented um, on her blog to this and said, In her pain, Nightbird has hope. Why? Because that's where God is nearest. She goes on by saying, I am still reeling, drenched in sorrow. I am still begging, bargaining, demanding and disappearing. And I guess that means I have all the more reason to say thank you because God is drawing near to me again, again, and again. No matter how many times he is sent away. Isn't that an amazing promise she writes there? And we know that he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So many times when we're going through that trauma, we're going through the pain, we often so default to thinking God's not near and that we are alone. Her quote that went viral says this, you can't wait till life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. I'm going to read it again. You can't wait till life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Today is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord again. Again I say rejoice. And in that trying times which we've all been, we have to find that joy which will carry us through. Psalm 32 verse 8 and 9 from the Passion um, Paraphrase Translation, it says, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway 
for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you have not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. So often we choose to make it difficult, to walk in stubbornness, and get God wants to take us to a better place in our life, in our workplace, wherever we may find ourselves now. He wants us to know that there's always, He's always ahead. I love the line that says, and I lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. In other words, He's walking before us. His eyes is seeing the path. All we're going to do is follow. And He asks a simple question. Uh, come with me. That's all. And I pray that that will really bless you. And just what you heard is just find joy in your life, knowing that you have an all-knowing God. He's omniscient, always present, knows where you, what you're going through. He's a loving God, and He's right near you. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. I pray that the message of God's Word will build your faith and develop a hope that is so strong it's like an anchor for your soul. Go ahead and subscribe and why not share the message with a friend?